Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 393 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. You know why people relate to sports so much? It's because you can always make a correlation to life. Sports is a mirror to life at times. And what I'm going to do majority of this episode is make a connection from real life to sports. And it's beautiful how similar they are. And I'm going to start like this. When you go into a job, when you go into anything in life, they say you make a game plan. What is your goal? What is your ultimate reasoning, not only to go to a place, but what do you want to accomplish? When you go to a job, usually they tell you what is your main goal and what do you want to accomplish at this job? And when you do accomplish that thing, what's next for you? Do you leave the job? Do you build new goals? What do you do? You build a game plan for your life. Well, when John Hart or Jim Harbaugh, I apologize, went to Michigan. What was it? Six years ago, I believe. What was his game plan? What was his goal? You can always say, especially in sports, the goal always starts off as, I want to win the Super Bowl. I want to win the National Championship. I want to win the NBA Finals. I want to win the World Series. But everyone knows that you can't just jump into that goal, especially when you have a lot of work to do. And the thing about goals and the thing about the time limit or the timetable to reaching those goals is you may have a time limit for yourself, but it may not be on other people's time. That's where goals differentiate. That's where sports differentiates because you're under a microscope. And in that microscope, things may not move in the in the in the same speed that you thought they would move. But that doesn't mean that you're not getting to your goal. That doesn't mean that you're not essentially going to miss your target when Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan the the original goal maybe not for him but the original goal for the for the school for the organization was we want to look like a competent organization because the misnomer about Michigan is it is a storied franchise now, you can talk about in the beginning, while yes, they are the most, they have the most wins in college sports history as a, as a school, but Michigan hasn't been good for a while. And when I mean while, their, their last, I think, national championship that was shared was in 1997, I believe. Their, their, their last outright national championship was in the 40s. So 
Michigan, while yes, they win, and while they have the most wins in college sports, I believe, there's an expectation that may not have been realistic at first. Because I remember the goal when people when 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 Jim Harbaugh got the job, a lot of people were saying the goal is to bring Michigan back to his glory days, which might I add was not since the 40s. But going to Michigan, that was Jim Harbaugh's first goal was to turn the organization around and make it look like or yeah, make it look like a competent organization. A competent program. Now, it's no surprise. I talked about this last episode that Michigan's main goal usually during the season is to beat the Cowboys. I mean, is to beat Ohio State. That is the main goal. It's it's the rivalry. It's it's one of the best rivalries in sports history. That's always the goal. And Michigan before Jim Harbaugh was pretty much for a while, for a good minute, was the punching bags to Ohio State. I'm let's make this less long. Let's make a long story less long. Going to Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan was a mess as a program when Jim Harbaugh got there. And you look today and you say, Michigan won the national championship. Michigan is at the top of the top. Michigan is a, is a marquee program right now. But like in life, in, in what we just talked about, it wasn't always this way. Even with Jim Harbaugh, remember, there was a couple years, probably the first maybe two or three, probably three years, where they were calling for Jim Harbaugh's job because he could not win the big game, the game against Ohio State. They were saying, what's the point of having Jim Harbaugh? He's supposed to be the quote-unquote quarterback whisper and we can't beat Ohio State we keep getting 10 win seasons we keep getting 11 win seasons but we can't beat Ohio State so he needs to go but then the last three seasons happened they've been destroying Ohio State Jim Harbaugh has completely turned this program around they make the college football playoffs the last three years they lose to Georgia, they lose to TCU, and they finally make it here. Which brings me back to my original point. Going into something new, going into anything, a job, uh, a living situation, a relationship, what is the goal? And it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that goal be accomplished, whether it's longer than you think it would take, faster than you think it will take. It's a beautiful thing. 
So Michigan is at the top of the top of the sports or college sports world right now. They won the national championship. And I think this has been the complete opposite of a fairy tale season. Maybe a fairy tale ending, but not a fairy tale season. You see, there has been so much turmoil this season with the Michigan Wolverines. Now, some of it was internal, some of it was out. Of course, we know Jim Harbaugh started the season suspended. Then the whole sign stealing thing. Then Jim Harbaugh was suspended again. And you have people questioning the validity of Michigan's wins, Michigan's toughness, and Michigan's ability to win, quote unquote, clean. And in sports, we talk about distractions a lot and how distractions can derail the season. Distractions, whether that's a person, whether that's inside noise, whether that's outside noise, it can derail a season for a team. Because people underestimate how difficult it is to reach the mountaintop of your sport. People don't understand how difficult it is to go through a regular season slog and then have to go through a playoffs, whether that's any sport. But I will say this. I think that this Michigan team, in fact, let me, let me say it like this. I don't think this Michigan team wins if it wasn't coached by Jim Harbaugh. I don't think this Michigan team wins if they didn't lose to Georgia, if they didn't lose to TCU. Trials make the destination worth it. Trials show you the type of person you are, show you the type of team you are. Without trials, there has never been an easy uh there's never been an easy championship. There's never uh, there's there's never been a championship where nobody had to go through something. And the beauty of it is We talk about this this championship from Michigan was what is it, six, seven years in the making? I don't believe if Jim Harbaugh didn't struggle going into or didn't struggle when he first got the job as far as getting the right quarterback as far as beating Ohio State as far as people calling for his job as far as remember he was flirting with the NFL a couple times even now and we'll talk about that in a second I don't think if any of that happened 
in fact, let me say it like this. I think all of that had to happen for them to win a championship. Because the thing about the thing about distractions from the outside is sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes it has a way of focusing a team. I understand that you're like, how was distractions a focus a team? Because when you have people that are sending you distractions, that are speaking ill on your name, speaking ill on your program, it allows you to focus and say, all right, I'll say it gives you added motivation. Let's say that. And um, all of that, players coming back, Blake Corum coming back, J.J. McCarthy coming back, Donovan Edwards coming back, uh, a bunch of a bunch of the, the the defense coming back because they had a goal. And they understood how close that goal is. Again, it takes you, – you make it to the college football playoffs three years, you're just unable to get over the hump, or two years previous to this year. You're just unable to get over the hump. But you understand how close you are. Again, Michigan, this championship was, what, six years in the making. And let's talk about the national championship. We talk about game plans. And we talk about how in life you make a game plan for the 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 map to success. A game plan is essentially a map to success. And going into the national championship, the game plan for Washington was simple. Make JJ McCarthy beat us. JJ McCarthy while he has shown the ability to be a high volume thrower, he hasn't seen we haven't seen that in the last few weeks. We haven't seen that probably since Ohio State game. Or actually no, not even that. Probably since the be- the beginning of the season. We haven't seen JJ McCarthy have to take over a game. But the game plan for Washington more than likely was we need to win the line of scrimmage and don't we cannot let their dynamic running back either Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, we can't let them go off. Because if they go off and if they get a rhythm, it's over with. The game plan for Washington was also probably we have the most explosive offense in, in college sport, college football. If Michael Penix doesn't get touched, if Michael Penix, if we keep the pocket clean, because we also have one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in college football. If we're able to keep the pocket clean, Michael Penix will win us a game. We understand the limitations that we have. That is Washington. As far as they have a tough time defending the pass. They have a tough time defending the run After the initial contact. 
But if we can control the controllables, that's what you hear a lot. If you can control the controllables, we win. Now, what do you think Michigan's game plan was? Michigan's game plan was simple. Keep doing what we've been doing all season. Play NFL-style defense. Win the line of scrimmage. And run the ball down their throat. And let's hope J.J. McCarthy can make a big play, a important play. Exactly what I thought would happen, happened. But to a, to a different extent. Remember last episode, I said the reason why I think Michigan will win this game is because they have been dominant at the line of scrimmage, both offensive, the offensive line and the defensive line. They've been dominant this entire season. They have the best defense in college football. They have one of the best offensive lines in college football. And they've seen a team like Washington before. It was just a couple years ago, which, which brings me back to my first point. This national championship was years in the making Michigan has seen Washington before it was in the form of Ohio State with uh, CJ Stroud and and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave they they've seen this type of team Washington has not seen this type of team in Michigan a team that is relentless on the defensive side of the ball a team that can go – they might not be able to go step for step with your wide receivers, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, uh, Jalen McMillan, but they can scheme around them and they can make it difficult for you because of how well they're coached and because they have NFL-type players on the defensive side of the ball. And that's exactly what happened. Michael Penix. This was the first, you know, you know why? So Michael Penix has been, obviously he was a Heisman finalist. Michael Penix has been praised for his pinpoint accuracy, not only on his deep ball, but he is, if you're able to keep the pocket clean, he is one of the best wide receivers, or corner, quarterbacks in the league now I'm not saying you have to keep the pocket clean but Penix has a way of getting the ball where it needs to go but as we saw he struggled mightily because of the pressure he went 27 for 51 Michigan dominated this game in every facet of the game. They dominated the the off their offensive line was great as as we saw with how Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards were able to get open and get free. Their defense their 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 defense won this game. 
being able because and I was I was talking to people while watching the game and why I never lost faith in in Washington until the fourth quarter. Because we've seen Washington rattle off 14 points in two minutes or or 21 points in three minutes. But I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen with Michigan because Michigan is too sound of a team. I know when you look at the score, 34 to 13, you think, oh, this was a lopsided victory. And it was. But I don't want to get lost how evenly matched these teams are. As far as Washington's offense against Michigan's defense, that is the that's the that's the evenness right there. It was just Michigan was playing on all cylinders, and it was uh, it was difficult for Washington. And I've never. There's been difficult games, obviously, but I've never seen Michael Penix miss wide open receivers as much as he did. But you have to credit the the pressure that the defense get, you know, got on him. Now, shouts out to Michigan for winning the national championship. Now it goes back to, and the last thing I'm gonna say about this before I move on. I started this episode with goals. What are your goals going into a game? What are your goals going into a season? What are your goals going into a new job? What are the goals that you want to hit? People are wondering, what's next for Jim Harbaugh? Does Jim Harbaugh stay at Michigan? Does Jim Harbaugh go on to the NFL? Both Irons are incredibly hot right now. I mean, you just won a national championship, and the NFL. We're going to talk about Black Black Monday in a minute. Uh, the NFL has a bevy of vacancies. I'm not here telling Jim Harbaugh what to do. I don't know this man. Obviously, he's going to make the best decision, not just for him but for his family. But what I will say is this, and why I think it's it's clear what's going to happen next. Going to Michigan, he said everything that he said these the years that he's been here. First goal was to turn around the program. He did that. Second goal was to beat Ohio State. He's done that several times now. Third goal was to make this organization, make this program a national championship caliber program. He's done that. And the last goal, win a national championship. He's done that. My So my question is, what's next? What other goals do you have to accomplish? You've accomplished everything that you've set out at this previous, at this current job. So what's next for you? I think that the, the 
kind of like another co- coach we'll talk about. I think that he has him and Jim Harbaugh has accomplished everything you need to accomplish at your current position. So now it's time to it's time to find something new. And a lot of your players are leaving. I mean, Blake Corum's gone. J.J. McCarthy's gone. Donovan Edwards is gone. A bunch of your defensive, a bunch of your linemen are gone. A bunch of players are gone. I feel like this kind of feels like the swan song. This kind of feels like the last dance for Michigan as far as, you know, having a senior-lated team, having the coach. It seems like it's it. They reached the mountain time. Now it's time for all of them to go. Blake Corm's going to the league. Maybe Donovan Edwards might go to the league. J.J. McCarthy's going to the league, probably. Now it's time for Jim Harbaugh. Now, of course, if he stays, he stays. Shouts out to him for that. But it goes back to the goals and what you want to accomplish, and it feels like he's accomplished everything that he's want to. So why stay? But shouts out to Michigan for beating Washington 34 to 13 in the national championship. Week 18 of the NFL season had a lot of games that were important, not just for playoff seating, but playoff live. Some people. They had to win and get in. Some people, they had to win and get some help. Essentially, week 18 of the NFL season saw a bunch of scenarios that were favorable for some and were not favorable for others, but there were options and there were avenues to get them to the playoffs. The game that I first want to talk about and the, the team that I, fir- that I first want to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars had the, had the pleasure, I guess you can say, of having the scenario of if you win against the Tennessee Titans, you're essentially in the playoffs. There's, it doesn't matter what happens around you. It's win and get in. Trevor Lawrence was playing Travis Etienne was playing Josh Allen on the defense side of the ball was playing everything was lining up for you you're going against a team while yes it is a divisional rival you're going against a team that's six and eleven or five and eleven at the time you're going against a team that has really nothing to play for you're going against a team that is going to look very different next year. Uh, we don't we, we don't know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry. We don't know. We pretty much are sure that Ryan Tannehill is gone. Everything was in front of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what happened? The Tennessee Titans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-20. to Jaguars are out the playoffs. Now the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans are in the playoffs. I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence. While 
yes, you can say that he was dealing with injury, which is probably true. From the time he hurt his shoulder, I believe it was, uh, which was a couple weeks ago, his accuracy has gone down. Uh, has gone down extremely. But if you have a shoulder injury or an arm injury, ah, that's understandable. But you're out there. So I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence. Goes 29-43, 280 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Now I've talked about, I don't know if you remember the beginning of the season where people were killing me because I was saying that this Jacksonville Jaguar, which when they were playing their best football, might I add you, is one of is a sleeper team, a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. The difference and one of the reasons why I am kind of hesitant to crown them a Super Bowl caliber team is because they make too many mistakes. They make too many penalties and they turn the ball over too much. Well, as we saw against the Tennessee Titans, the thing that it, it reared his ugly head. Jacksonville has six penalties and they had two interceptions. So I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence. Yes, you can say um, he was injured, but he was out there. And Trevor Lawrence is, is on that. He's kind of on that line of, is he one of the best quarterbacks in the league or is he just in a different batch? Is he in that not really the best, but okay. And the reason why he's there is because of games like this. You need to win games like this. One of the main reasons why they lost this game is because Trevor Lawrence couldn't play up to up to his standards or the standards that his talent bolds. There's a reason why people are so critical of a Trevor Lawrence. There's a reason why people are so critical of a Justin Herbert because their talent, the talent that they that God gave them makes them a top-tier talent in the league. But when you get to the league, talent isn't everything. You need to win these type of games. And more times than not, Trevor Lawrence loses them. So I don't... I'm not discrediting the season. But what I am saying is you lost like five of your last six. And a lot of them are winnable games, including the Tennessee Titans. At some point, we have to look at Trevor Lawrence and say, you know, no one's taking away from your talent. But what is that talent? What, what, what have you done with it? I understand you can look at that playoff game where they were down a crazy amount at half against the Chargers and ultimately came back and won. But how have you built on that? 
And it doesn't seem like he nor the Jacksonville Jaguars have. You have to win this game. And the fact that you didn't and lost, like, it, I know it seemed like it was close. It wasn't as close as just an eight-point game. Like, the Tennessee Titans dominated this game. That's an issue. And if you want to consider yourself one of the top quarterbacks in the league, which your talent bolds, you can't continuously lose games like this. And now as we sit here today, the Jaguars are not in the playoffs. But you know who is in the playoffs? The Houston Texans. So the Houston Texans which was an incredible game. I believe it was on Saturday. The Houston Texans beat the Colts 23 to 19. It it was an incredible, it was a back and forth game. Uh, The Colts really lost because homie, I forgot his name. uh, Homie missed a, a pretty much a wide open fourth down play. He just didn't catch the ball. One of the reasons why the Houston Texans are so dangerous in the playoffs. Now, I'm going to give my playoff predictions probably on Saturday's episode. Because uh, I know that the games start on Saturday. I'm, I'm just going to give my predictions then. And probably give my prediction on who's going to win the Super Bowl and all that. But one of the biggest or one of the reasons why I think the Houston Texans are so dangerous, not only that C.J. Stroud is playing like a top-tier quarterback this year, but because youth. And when I say youth, I don't mean like athletic athleticism or energy or something. No. I'm saying youth as the Houston Texans aren't supposed to be here. Which is another reason why I think that D'Amico Ryans should win Coach of the Year. The Houston Texans aren't supposed to be here. C.J. Strout isn't supposed to be this good right now. The, the Houston Texans defense isn't supposed to be as good as it is right now with Will Anderson. But it is. And they don't know what they don't know. I know that sounds kind of idiotic and I know it sounds kind of elementary, but that's true. There is a there is a belief that the way that they've been playing, the fact that they are here when they nobody projected them to be here is the reason why they are so dangerous. So I'm not going to give my prediction, like I said, until probably Saturday's episode. But shouts out to the Houston Texans for making not only beating the Colts, but making it to the playoffs. And C.J. Stroud, I know the question has been going around. How many quarterbacks would you take over C.J. Stroud right now? Not many. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Lamar Jackson, yeah. Mm. And it gets a little sticky. I'm not saying that he's the third best. I'm saying right now he is playing 
some of the best football in the NFL. And shouts out to the Texans. Another game that was important, well, that was less important because of the Jaguars game was the Bills and the Dolphins. Now, because the Jaguars lost, it it pretty much ensured that both the Bills and the Dolphins were going to make the playoffs. Um, so the, the stakes of the game kind of de- decreased at, with the Jacksonville loss. But I understand that because the Buffalo Bills won, I think they're the two seed in the playoffs. I have less faith in the Bills now than I did before. Because remember before, I've been saying that the Bills is one of the scariest teams, which they still are, and one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs, which they still are. But one of the biggest reasons why I am hesitant to hesitant to uh have faith in the bills going into the playoffs and again i will give my predictions on saturday i'm just i'm just speaking right now i was looking at this dolphins and bills game now again the bills beat the dolphins 21 to 14 and the issues that josh allen has had majority of his career reared his ugly head on was a Sunday night football. Josh Allen throws some of the most head scratching interceptions I think you will ever see. Now you look at the numbers and say, damn, Josh Allen only missed eight passes. He threw for 359 yards. He did throw two touchdowns. Well, you have all those numbers. Those numbers bode well, and those numbers should be in dominating fashion, meaning you should dominate your opponent when you throw almost 360 yards, when you only miss eight passes, when you have two touchdowns. But there's the reason why they only won by a touchdown is because of the two interceptions, both of which were in the red zone, both of which were thrown in the end zone. Now, if you were playing a team that was a little healthier, if you were playing a team that is better than the Dolphins, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Now, again, I know it's any given Sunday. I know how good the Bills can be. But I'm looking at what the Bills have been. And quite as kept, they did win five straight. And shouts out for them, shouts out to them for winning five straight. But it's been a quote unquote cupcake schedule. And they've struggled on a lot of those. Now they've won. I'm I'm not gonna take away from the win, but And I have to go over to the Dolphins for a second. And I'm completely out on the Dolphins. When I say I'm completely out, it's not because they're not well coached. It's not because they're not a good team. But injuries, 
there are two teams right now that are stumbling into the playoffs. One and one of them is the Dolphins. The other one we'll talk about in a second. You want to go into the playoffs with momentum. You want to go into the playoffs with confidence. I think that Miami is the void of that right now because of their their team's health status. I mean, you know, Jalen Phillips, he's been out most of the year. Uh, Bradley Chubb, he's out. And you've lost Raheem Morster. He's supposed to come back, but he's out. Jalen Waddle, he's out. And they they keep losing players. They're stumbling into the playoffs. And Tua is one of those players that he he could he could rise from it, obviously. But he's one of those players, kind of like Jimmy G. You need everything to go right around you. Well, when it's not, we get what we get. I mean. It's going to be tough for this, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because they have a tough time creating pressure because their best pass rushers are out. They had to bring Marvin Ingram from the from the practice squad. It's tough. I think they could flip a switch, obviously, since we've seen how prolific their offense can be. But I don't know. I don't know. But shouts out to the Bills being the Dolphins twenty one to fourteen. I don't I don't really have faith in either one of these teams moving forward because of what I've seen. Again, shouts out to the Bills for winning five straight, but it's been a it's been a tough road. And for the Dolphins, they're just injured, man. So I talked about stumbling into the playoffs and the last thing, the, the the best thing that you can do is be hot going into the playoffs because it's a, it's a momentum thing. Sports is about momentum. If you have momentum, you're better at it's it's almost easier. It almost gives you an advantage. That's kind of the reasons why, or that is one of the biggest reasons why I was nervous about the Baltimore Ravens sitting pretty much most, if not all, of their starters against the the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Because at that point, they'll have two weeks off. I understand that you get your body and everything, and Lamar Jackson more than likely is going to win the MVP. So there's a little level of excitement there. But And you don't want to get hurt in a meaningless game, which we will talk about in that Pittsburgh game. But it just, you know, it just didn't feel good. I just... I know how much momentum is, and you're going against a team. While yes, you will go against a team, uh, either the Texans or the Browns, after playing a game, so they're not going to be as rested. But they could be, you know, hot. So going back to what I was saying, you want to go into the playoffs. With momentum, you want to go into the playoffs hot. You want to go into the playoffs confident about yourself, confident about your team. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles is the complete opposite of all of that. They're playing their worst football of the season going into the playoffs. 
You have injury on top of injury. We don't know what's going on with A.J. Brown, but it looks like he's going to be hurt. Something They say it's not an ACL, but they ain't say nothing about the MCL. They ain't say nothing about the rest of the knee. Uh, Devontae Smith, he's probably going to be out for a good number. He's on crutches right now. Uh, the defense has been god-awful pretty much all year. A team that I predict, because I, I, I feel like I was wrong. I could be wrong, or I could be right, but I doubt it. I had the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl. I just felt we were going to see a increase of production with uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Sweat. I thought that Jalen Hurts was going to be better. I thought the defense was going to be much better, even though they did lose a couple pieces and they get a new defensive coordinator. I just thought that was going to be better. The Giants beat the Eagles 27-10. to 10. A Giants team that was playing for nothing and obviously kind of didn't want to win because it hurts their draft stock. They dominated the Eagles in every way, shape, or form. Now, you can say it's, again, Jalen Hurts, he hurt himself. I think his finger popped out of place. Um, again, A.J. Brown got hurt, so we'll see what happens with him. But the Eagles are the opposite or, or the complete. If there is a poster child of how not to walk into the playoffs, it's the Eagles. The Eagles are just, oh, God. I have absolute. I I don't think they're gonna. Uh, spoiler alert! I don't think they're gonna lose against the Bucks, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose against the Bucks. And I'll just keep it at that for right now. But shout out to the Giants, and I'm also interested to see what happens with the Giants because, I mean, is Saquon Barkley gonna be gone? I don't know, but they beat the Eagles. I will tell you that. Uh. <laughs> Shouts out to the Bucks for beating the Panthers nine to seven, nine to zero. Man, look, we're gonna talk about the Saints in a second, but I think the Carolina Panthers' job, because right now, obviously, there's a head coaching vacancy for them. I think they might have the worst job in all of football when you're dealing with David Tepper, when you're dealing with the uncertainty of this roster and the lack of talent on this roster, that is a tough job to to accept. And no offense to Bryce Young, because he could turn around, but when you see how good C.J. Stroud is right out the, right out the box, and it's like, ugh, man. Not to mention... You see the ta- when you see Tank Tank Dell and Noah Brown when you see the talent that the Texans have compared to the lack of talent that the chart. I mean, the Panthers' best skilled position players who Adam Thielen, Chuba Hubbard. I don't know. the 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 Bucks did what they're supposed to do, and shouts out to the Bucks. Shouts out to Baker Mayfield, man. It. I have been hard on Baker Mayfield. A lot of people's been hard on Baker Mayfield, and rightfully so. He hasn't. He's carried himself like a top tier talent but his play hasn't shown to be or proven to be top tier capability well not only am I shocked that he had the Tampa or he got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the playoffs 
he has been good most of this season. Uh, and he's been so good that he's probably earned himself a at least a longer-term contract, you know. Uh, Shouts out to the Bucks. They did everything they were supposed to do. And I'm not saying that they're going to be a scary team in the playoffs. I'm not saying that at all. But the fact that they made it to the playoffs is a testament to them. So, shouts out to them. Another team that should be happy that they made it to the playoffs, and I am shocked and I will I will give out my apologies, is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I was very skeptical of the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love essentially going into the season. I knew I thought that there were a lot of positives with the Green Bay Packers team, the Jordan Love not being one of them. And it turns out that Jordan Love was one of the only constant positives for this team. Jordan Love still has room to grow and still needs to grow in a lot of areas, but he is the main reason why the Green Bay Packers made the playoffs. And I will and I will say shouts out to him for that and I was I was clearly wrong. I thought that it, it was gonna be I didn't think it was gonna be a good season for the Packers at all. And boy was I wrong. Uh now I will say that the Green Bay Packers they do have to go against the Cowboys in the playoffs, which is gonna be tough, but the Green Bay is really good at uh RPO. They're really good. Their defense, especially the defensive front, has come alive. And their offensive line has been good. And their run game with Aaron Jones has been good. So there's a lot of positives for this team, and Jordan Love is one of them. Jordan Love, he, I think he had better rookie numbers than both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, so <laughs> shouts out to them, and shouts out to, to the Green Bay Packers. The Bears, man, it's tough, and, and what's tough about this situation is the pendulum of scrutiny and praise, you know, because when – when Justin Fields plays well, everyone goes, oh, well, the, the Bears needs to keep or Justin Fields and Justin Fields needs to, you know, they need to build around. They can trade the number one overall pick. But then when he plays bad, it's like, oh, get him out of here. This is why they're going to trade him to the Falcons. Now, I will say that a lot of this rhetoric and discord is not obviously coming from the, the Chicago Bears, but. It is very interesting to see um, what happens not only in draft time, but what happens with Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields could have played his last game in in Chicago. Who knows? If not, a at least hopefully you go to a team that knows how to use you, which I don't know if that's the case because they're talking about he might go to the Falcons. So I don't know. But shouts out to the Green Bay Packers for beating the Bears. Let's 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 stay on this game for a second, and that is the Saints beating the Falcons, uh, forty-eight to seventeen. We talked about. We're gonna talk more about Black Monday towards the end of the show. How do I? Okay, so the one thing that I want to talk about, I don't want, to, I don't need to talk about this game. Neither of these teams are going to the playoffs. I'll talk about the last, last play, and how there's been a lot of loud conversation about 
this game and how the end of the game they were in victory formation which is pretty much take a knee and instead they they ran a trick play to get Jamal Williams a touchdown now Dennis Allen said that that's not the play that I called and Jameis Winston who was the quarterback in the game Confirmed, no, he didn't call that. This was a team decision. And we wanted to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. Now, at first, I was like, I like that, you know? I understand maybe the coach forgot that Jamal Williams was running for an incentive or something. That's what I thought it was because we saw throughout Sunday and Saturday players playing for incentives. I think – we're going to talk about it a little bit more with the Pittsburgh and Ravens, but we saw players like Jadamion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy hit their incentives. We saw we're going to talk about um we saw players like Joe Mixon hit their incentives. So I get it if it was about incentives, but it wasn't. They just wanted to get Jamal Williams a touchdown. Like wait what? So not only do you undermine your coach. And you, I know you say it's a team decision, but you just wanted to. It was no. I don't think there was any incentive. I don't think there was any money involved. They just wanted to do that. Now, if you're going to do that, don't get in victory formation. Like, at least get into a formation where the defense knows, oh, you're about to run a play. There's been a lot of people like Shannon Sharp and like Stephen A. Smith saying that they would cut Jameis Winston immediately because the last thing that you want to do not only is undermine your coach but tell the public that you're undermining your coach and the fact that you had enough voice enough cachet to get other people to be like yeah yeah this is what we finna do yeah I get it I don't know if I'd go as far as say cut him but I will say that that is unacceptable you can't, especially in, you know. Now, I do understand Jameis Winston's point. We just intercepted the ball. What if he scored? Is that too much as well? I just think that that play, this game, embodies everything wrong and why the Saints are in the, are in the predicament that they're in now and why they've been in these predicaments all season when you look up and the saints have the most talent in the nfc south yet and still the saints are not in the playoffs as unfortunate as it is i think that a move like this is going to cost a lot of people jobs like dennis allen because it shows management oh you don't have control of your locker room and i think that it's probably going to cost Jameis winston his job and they're gonna. And I, I'm not saying Jameis Winston isn't gonna be in the league, but it's like people are saying, "Oh, you're just gonna go rogue." Okay, bet. There has been a lot of issues with the Saints all year, and this embodies it. And I don't feel as strongly as Shannon Sharp does. Obviously, I didn't play. I don't feel as strongly as Stephen A. Smith does, but I do think that that is a terrible look, not just for your franchise, but for your coach. And I don't care if you destroy somebody, but it's 
it's how you carry it. And don't come out in the public and say, yeah, well, this wasn't the coach's decision. This was our decision. That's a clear-cut sign that the coach does not have any respect in the locker room. So, <laughs> yeah. Let's move forward. Dallas did what they were supposed to do. Don't have to stay on this long. Dallas uh, beat Washington 38-10. to Dallas has made a reputa- reputation of beating just terrible, terrible teams, Washington being one of them. Uh, shouts out to Dallas, I guess. Uh, right now, it looks like Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb are the best one-two punch in football right now or best quarterback wide receiver duo. I mean, CeeDee Lamb went 13 for 13 for 98 yards and two touchdowns. They're going to be tough to beat in the play. And they've secured, they won the NFC East and they secured, I think, the two seeds. So everything is going, unless they play, you know, the 49ers, everything is going through Jerry World. So uh, they did what they're supposed to do. And Washington, you better find a way to get that. Boy, let me tell you something. You better find a way to get that number one overall pick. Or you better you better you better find a way to get Caleb Williams. That's all I'm saying on that. Shouts out to the Los Angeles Rams for beating the San Francisco 49ers 21 to 20. Again, not a lot of people on the 49ers played. Not a lot of people on the Rams played, but Carson Wentz played. Shouts out to Puka Nakua. He broke the mo- he had the he set the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. Uh which just solidifies his name. I think it's gonna go back and forth, obviously. Like there's there's probably gonna be a split decision, but for offensive rookie of the year is going to be between Puka and CJ Stroud, both which have done incredible things this year. Both are in the playoffs. So, shouts out to them. And the 49ers, man, again, I don't feel any different than I did before. A lot of people didn't play. So, yeah, shouts out to the Rams for being the 49ers. Another team game that nobody played, which I was a little surprised about, about Travis Kelsey. But shouts out to the Chiefs for beating the Chargers 13-12. to uh, I thought Travis Kelsey was going to play because I think he was like 16 yards away from another 1,000-yard season. Uh, which I was a little shocked that he didn't play. Now, if there was no incentive on a thousand yard season, then I get it. Like people know how great I am, even though I had he has struggled this year. Uh, people know who I am, so I don't need to. I don't need a thousand yards, you know. But if there was incentives to getting a thousand yards, I am even more shocked they didn't play. But game wasn't that important. Uh, the Chargers are just trying to get to the – or they were trying to get to the end of the season, which they did successfully. So, uh, And the Chiefs, nobody played. But shouts out to Chris Jones for hitting his incentives. I think he needed to get like a sack. And I think that's always great because you saw that in this game. You saw that in other games. When players hit their incentives and teams know that they hit their incentives, uh, how happy they are for their for their teammates is a great thing, man. And shouts out. Shouts out to them. 
The Jets finally beat the Patriots 17-3. to This game is all about Bill Belichick. I, it goes back to the original point as far as what are your goals. And there are times when it feels like you just need – you ever been in a relationship which you know the relationship's over? Like – or you look at people and it's like, yeah, they 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 are not healthy for each other anymore, or they just it's it's time for them to go. I just feels like the Patriots and Bill Belichick need to split. I'm not saying that Bill Belichick doesn't coach in the NFL again, but it just seems like they both need to go their separate ways. Bill Belichick has done everything that he can do uh, for this organization. I mean, he has six rings. I, it just it just it just seems like it's over or it needs to be over I'll say that because like what what it looks bad and it's not it, it's starting to really affect not only his legacy but the legacy of the Patriots and the last thing you want to do is have Bill Belichick be a part of the draft if he's not going to be there and it just it just seems like he needs to go that's what it seems like I obviously could be wrong. This is my opinion. But, yeah, man, it, it feels like it's time for Bill Belichick to go. So, And Bill Belichick is still arguably the greatest coach of all time in the NFL. But you, it's this was the worst season of his career or of his tenure in, at the, with the Patriots. So, you know. Or maybe not his worst, but one of his worst. He won four games. So, shouts out to the Jet Jets for finally being the Patriots. Oh, another meaningless game, but it was huge. A sense of so the Detroit Lions beat the Minnesota Vikings thirty to twenty, but they lost their star uh, tight end, which is Sam Laporta. He is obviously a uh he's a pro bowler and he is a huge huge factor to this Detroit Lions team. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but it ain't it ain't looking too good. And they are going to I understand you have really good pieces. I mean, you still have him on St. Brown, you still have Josh Reynolds, you still have the running game in Gibbs and Montgomery, but Sam Laporta has been one of the best tight ends in the league all year, and losing him to a game to the against the Vikings is tough. Um, yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to overcome in the playoffs. But yeah, yeah. But shouts out to the Lions, man. A uh, shouts out to the Cincinnati Bengals for beating the Cleveland Browns thirty-one to fourteen. Really, nobody played for the nobody offensively played for the Browns. Um, and shouts out, like I talked about with Joe Mixon, he hit his incentives uh, with the touchdown. I think he needed two of them. He got two. Uh, yeah, man. It. It. Yeah. Wait, did he get two? Yeah, he got two. Um, shouts out to the, the Bengals for winning. I think that it's unfortunate how the Bengals season ended with. Obviously not making the playoffs. I do think that if Joe Burrow was playing, it would have been different. But he got hurt. And, you know, and the Browns, that is a scary team. Again, I'm going to give my predictions on Saturday. But 
that is a scary team to go up against, um, especially the way that Joe Joe Flacco has been playing. So, you know, shout out to the Bengals. Man, so we talked. This happened on Saturday. We talked about the Ravens resting everyone, and the reason why you rest everyone is because you don't want to have injuries and you don't want to you don't want to go into the playoffs with your best players injured. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Ravens seventeen to ten. It was a it was like a monsoon, pretty much. Uh, I understand why some players played. Like again, we talked about Jadavion Clowney. We talked about Kyle Van Noy. They hit their incentives. Shouts out to them. I know Nelson Aguilar was like fifteen yards away from hitting his incentives, which was ter- which sucks. But you know, he tried. The story of this game is T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt leaps and bounds Pittsburgh's best player gets hurt MCA MCL sprain he's out for at least the first game of the playoffs against the Bills now I wouldn't give I'll probably give a more in-depth thing on Saturday but I wouldn't I probably wouldn't give the the Pittsburgh Steelers much of a chance against the Bills even with T.J. Watt, but I give them a much better chance because of T.J. Watt. Um, again, that is the fear that the Sam Laporta injury. See, T.J. Watt, this that's the fear that you run playing games like this. Now, I understand that the Pittsburgh Steelers had to they had to win essentially, but um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough, and. You know, I wish for a speedy recovery uh, for TJ since he has been one of the best defensive players in the league. But, um, yeah, man, that's the risk that you run. So, yeah. And the last game, the Raiders, this game didn't matter at all. The Raiders beat the Broncos 27-14. to 14. Neither one of these teams are in the playoffs. I will say that you're hearing a lot about Jim Harbaugh possibly going to the Raiders. I think that Antonio Pierce has done enough to get the job. I think his players feel that way. Uh, you're hearing a lot of players like Devontae Adams come out and say that they want Antonio Pierce to be their their head coach. And I understand the, you know, the and I talked to someone about this. When Steph, if if you're committed to Seth Curry, right? If you're a team and say, we just signed Seth Curry, but then Steph Curry says, hey, yo, I want to play for your team. Yeah, bro, it's gone. You're, you're out of here, Seth. You're, you're gone. So I get that. I, I, don't, I don't think them entertaining or them wanting Jim Harbaugh really has, has any disrespect to Antonio Pierce. It's just Jim Harbaugh has proven to be, at least at this point of their careers, better coaches. Um but I do, I do think that Antonio Pierce has deserved, has earned to get a long-term contract for the Raiders. The only difference, and the only way I would say he doesn't, if somebody better comes along, like you know, Jim Harbaugh. But shouts out to the Raiders. Uh, again, that's been Week 18, and I'm going to give my in-depth prediction of the playoffs probably next episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, so we talked about Black Monday and we've seen a bunch of coaches already fired. I mean, 
We saw Ron Rivera. No surprise there. He was gone. We saw Arthur Smith, the former now coach of the Atlanta Falcons, out of there. We saw defensive coordinators like Homie. I forgot his name, but he was a defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's out. Black Monday, there's always names that you're expecting. Okay, they're probably going to go. And there's always names that you're not expecting, like Mike Vrabel. I understand all season it's been kind of weird between Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans, whether we talk about the contract extension, we talk about the back-to-back losing seasons, even though I don't know what you expect from Mike Vrabel, seeing as though the team's not that good. I was I was just shocked to hear Mike Vrabel got fired after beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, but, you know, this happens every year. There's teams that are just ready to let their coach go and give them the courtesy of finishing out the season like the Washington Commanders. Um, And I think that there are some really good – like I think Washington with the amount of uh, draft capital they have with the amount of cap space they have, I think that's a really good place to go. And the new management, I think that uh, possibly – I think the best two places right now is – the Chargers and I'll probably say the Raiders, maybe. Uh, but yeah, man, it's Black Monday is unfortunate, and I'm I think I'm again more shocked about Frank Vogel, not Frank Vogel. What? More shocked about Mike Vrabel getting fired. But while I am shocked, I'm kind of not because the writing was on the wall with the whole contract extension and. And it just seemed like both the Vrabel camp and the Tennessee Titans camp were on the same team or same page. So I'm not too shocked that he was he's gone. But I, you know, he's probably one of the most successful coaches to be out of here. So you know, and now obviously we're waiting on what happens with Bill Belichick, but we'll see. Uh, let's move on. Um, Breaking news happened the other day with John Morant. I think he tore his labrum or something, but he is out. Yeah, he had labrum surgery, and he's out for the season. Now, I already didn't think that the – especially with John Morant missing the first 25 games and seeing how the Grizzlies struggled, I didn't think that the – the Grizzlies were going to make the playoffs, even with John Morant coming back and playing as good as he was. I just did. I thought it was with the West being as loaded as it is. I just thought it was going to be a very tough climb. Well, you can definitely chalk up the Grizzlies playoffs chances. Now Um, it's just tough. This just caps what was already a tough year or season for John Morant. A lot of it was self-inflicted, even though this arguably wasn't. Um, I just, I just pray for a speedy recovery. And this is, this to me puts the, the nail in the Grizzlies playoff chances casket this year. Um, again, I hope for a speedy recovery and quiet as is kept, man. John Morant is that type of player that continues to run uh, into injuries and that's 
because of the tight the play style that he has we we talk about the electric you know high flying reckless and reckless abandonment play style that he has and it's fun to watch and it's it's gotten to where he's gotten don't get me wrong but there is high risk high reward uh factor playing that type of game and John Morant continues to get hurt. It's it's. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs a couple years ago again against Golden State. Like he keeps getting hurt, and I I don't want to wish injury upon anyone. I would never do that. I don't want to say a player is automatically going to be injury prone. But I'm just looking at the history, and the history is John Morant does miss a lot of games. I'm not gonna say a lot of games. John Morant has been injured or at least nicked a bunch of times. So I wish nothing but the best for him, though, and I wish I wish uh, for a speedy recovery for next year. So because it has been confirmed that he's out for the season. So yeah. Um. Lastly, before we go. Um, I don't know if I talked about this last episode, but Draymond Green was reinstated. And I guess this is the unpopular topic of the day. Draymond Green was was reinstated, and he also discussed on his podcast, the Draymond Green podcast, that he was going to retire. That he was pretty much confirmed, like he was pretty much done and wanted to retire. And it was Adam Silver pretty much talking him off the retirement cliff. I'm not going to make the jokes that a lot of people are making. I'm not going to discuss his personal life because I don't know him personally. I don't know his personal life. I don't think I should. I don't think it's respectful to do that. But one of the biggest reasons why I think that Draymond Green was considering retirement is because he understands. I talked about this a lot. Change is difficult for people. Not only is change difficult for people. Sometimes you're not ready for that change, but change is here. I talked about that maybe a couple episodes ago with Patrick Mahomes and how it seems like one of the reasons why he's lashing out and you see why he's so upset at the time is because he was not ready for the change that he sees has to happen. And he understands that while he's been the starting quarterback and while he is a starting quarterback, he should be, he and the Kansas City Chiefs should be Super Bowl caliber teams well it don't look like that's the case this year golden state war the golden state warriors that draymond green is used to obviously was a dynasty he has four rings you have arguably not arguably you have inarguably the best shooter and the the God has ever created in Steph Curry. In my opinion, you have the second greatest shooter God has ever created in Klay Thompson. You have four championships and six appearances. 
But you're looking at the landscape of the league and you're looking at the landscape of your team and it don't seem like Golden State is close to a championship. Now, I said what they needed to do to get a championship, but it doesn't look like they're going to do it. And Draymond, it's hard to come to that realization, especially when you've been playing for something for so long that it's probably not going to happen. So I can understand maybe the love for it isn't there as much as it was, or maybe it's hard to accept that what has gotten you here can't have ain't or what has gotten you to the to the mountaintop isn't going to get you there. And on top of that, the fieriness that you bring to the game is starting to be a hindrance, not only to the team, but to yourself. I said before, right now, I think that the the championship window for Golden State is closed. I think they can reopen it if they get like a Pascal Siakam, but it doesn't look like they're going to be doing that. So I think that the championship window is closed, and I think the team knows that, or Draymond knows that. And it's like, I've been playing at this level, and this level has produced championships, and I also see the light at the end of the tunnel is a lot closer or the end of my career is a lot closer than the beginning. The same thing that you pretty much heard Clay Thompson say the other day. Maybe I'm closer to retirement than not. And maybe it's just time to hang it up. Now, I was, I do think it's job crazy that you were about to retire with $75 million yet to be collected on your new deal. But as you see, he was talked off that ledge. <laughs> but I respect it, you know. I respect it. And shouts out to Draymond Green for coming back. And hopefully he's changed. But we'll see. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Uh, if you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube. I'm trying to reach it, you know, well, I'm trying to reach as many subscribers as I can, and I can't do it without you guys' help. Obviously, I'm trying to grow the podcast as much as I can. Uh, and the only way I can do that with more subscribers. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If they're not subscribed, just subscribe. It means a lot. Also, subscribe to wherever you're listening. I understand that there are some people that just listen and watch me on YouTube, and there's some people that listen to me on DSPs. Uh, And I appreciate all of you guys. No viewer or no listener is better than the other. All of you guys are appreciated. So whether that's Pandora, whether that's SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe or please follow. It means a lot. And also... Follow the socials, follow Instagram, follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily there. And uh, yeah, that's where you get the reels. That's where you get story content. It, 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 you know, I try, I try my best. So definitely, definitely appreciate you guys. And until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.